Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. For the opening season of 2021, I bring together stories of hope and positive change and have partnered with innovative florist Little Flowers with the idea that flowers offer us a beauty that naturally gives joy and are a potent symbol of change and development. Like Little Flowers, season four of Style Stories aims to put more smiles on more faces more often. Today, I'm chatting with Leah Howard, a triple threat dancer, director, and choreographer. While Leah has hit the heights of royalty status in the Australian performing arts industry, having been raised in the studios of Brent Street, her Fijian heritage also sees her lay claim to the title of princess. And whilst these big titles don't present as big ego in Leah, they do reflect the coming together and blessing of two families who have defined her and made her very capable of the big love she advocates. As you sashay, tap and twirl through Leah's big, bold style and story, feel free to revel in her joy and I dare you not to smile. Leah loves to stick to a brief, so when she boldly arrived in her neon pink and yellow set from Yivu Clothing, who was I to change her? Instead, we both adopted a more is more attitude and layered her personal collection of yellow perspex jewellery with a gold bauble 90s necklace from my collection. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Leah's story. Madeline, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, I've got a big smile on my face already. Uh, when preparing for this interview, I uh, had the opportunity to look through all your fun, amazing body of work and everything just put a smile on my face. Oh, thank you. So I like to always start at the beginning um, and my first question to you is, um, are you, were you always the type of kid that wanted to make other people smile? Yes. Yeah. I think that's a big yes and I think I know that now, especially during COVID going through the photo albums and you know, I just am running around in colourful outfits and, you know, standing in um, the rain with yellow three-piece suit on, catching the rain and just smiling and I, I think it was definitely why I was put on this earth and I really enjoy doing it and it, it makes me super happy and, you know, I, I really appreciate and I'm grateful that it's coming across that way. Oh, a hundred. Um, So getting into your childhood and what that looked like for you, you describe yourself as Fijian heritage um, but brought up by a a Scottish clan. Tell me what that means. Yeah, so um, I was born in Australia and in the 70s my adopted mother, my Scottish mother, Margaret, she uh, met a family um, that was had a Fijian uh, woman working for them and there was some, you know, very um, not nice things said about this Fijian woman. So my Scottish mum went and picked up this woman from the house and said, I'll take her to church for the weekend. And then my Fijian mother just didn't want to go back. And she became very ill while she was here in Australia after she had me. Um, I was born here in Australia. My father is the chief of a village, was the chief of a village in Fiji. Um, So essentially... 
I am a princess, but not in <laughs> attitudes. <laughs> um, uh, and I have maybe eight I'd call you more of a queen. Yeah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I'll leave that to my older brothers and sisters. So I have eight older brothers and sisters over there. Yeah, um, in Fiji, some have passed on now that are much older than me, um, and. Yeah, so my Fijian mother had me here, got really sick and about gosh, a few weeks later passed away um, from cancer and complications yeah. through birth. Yeah. And um, when she was on her, uh, on her way out, she did mention to uh, my Scottish mother, Margaret, that she would like me to stay in Australia with the Howard family and be brought up here for a better life. Also because my father had eight other children to wrangle with in a village and yeah. also be, you know, the chief of a village, which is really, as I have, you know, found over the years of my research and education is um, a really big thing uh, to look after a village and be the chief of it. And there's, you know, still lots of ritual and ceremonial things over in Fiji that I still don't understand, but I I can appreciate that my two mothers, you know, made this fabulous plan for me to have this f absolutely, you know, amazing life, c coloured and fruitful and joyful and feeling very loved. So, yeah, yeah that's in it. That's it in a, in a bit of a <laughs> nutshell, really. Um, but yes, I do have four uh, brothers and sisters here, and um, and they are Scottish. And my whole growing up, I. I just thought I was Scottish, you know. I just, yeah. I just alluded to the fact that I, yeah, I'm born in Australia, but I'm from Kilmarnock. Um, people were like, mm, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, you know. So it was, um, it, it's an interesting family story because we, I never felt any different. I was always told the truth, and I was loved like. I, I, you know, I, I, what you would call, say, a normal family, you know, a birth family, I should say. Um, and we always kept in touch. My parents always flew my brothers and sisters over from Fiji to be here with us. Um, right. to so you you didn't have to go find that connection no, back no, to your family. It no, was always established always there. You. Yep. So okay. you know, it was one big family. Oh. Yeah, there was a lot of us, and all my brothers and sisters also still. Um, you know, contact, con connect with my brothers and sisters in Fiji, and yeah, it was. It's really great. That it's must really cool. feel so blessed for you. Oh, it, like more so. I, it's, it's. I, I can't actually explain it because it is. You see so many stories unlike mine that are not as positive and our feelings of neglect and feelings of loss and feelings of, uh, you know, the trauma that can sometimes come with dual families, split families, adopted families and this is just nothing of the sort I've, yeah. you know, I've... And it is, it's a, it's a, it's such an interesting story and it is very unique, I, I do believe. Yeah, uh, well, it, it, you know, I'm getting emotional just listening to it because you see how... Um, all that love has come into you and how, you know, it's so obvious that you emit it outwards. Yeah. Um, so um, what I, let's get into then what, what life every day looked like for you growing up. You, you, your family ran the performance uh, art school Brent Street. Yep. So did you just know dance 
like you knew walking and talking? Like was it? Yeah, it was really because all my my sisters, my brother was a, a drummer and my sisters were raw performers. And it was interesting. Uh, we were going to a little dance school in Balmain that my sisters had always gone to and it was fine but uh, I didn't, I don't think I was feeling it as much as everyone else. And we, they just said, okay, you know what, we're going to start a school around near our house in the corner of Dremoyne on a little street called Brent Street and it was um, – my cousins, my next-door neighbour, um, a couple of people from down the road. There was about 20 of us and we just all started dancing in this hideous kind of box <laughs> house room with like this makeshift stage and the dirty old kitchen was the singing room and drama room and we did we did amazing stuff. You know, we had, my, we had teachers like David Atkins was one of my first teachers. Um, Dean Perry was my tap dancing teacher um, from Tap Dogs and we just – it was just what we did. It's so – when I think back now, it's like that's what we did on the weekends. We just went to dancing but then we danced all week because we were up there for Wednesdays and Mondays and – it was just kind of the second place we went to after school. It was and like was our playground. And was it your brothers and sisters doing it? It was my sisters, my three yeah. sisters, Marianne, Jackie and Karen. And they, yeah, they created this amazing space. And there wasn't, we were doing such obscure things. We are doing clowning, we are doing acrobats. You know, we didn't do them at the, at the little school in Balmain. I didn't personally because I was still too young. But it was just, my sisters kind of just really went out there and went, right, we're going to do everything. We're going to create performing arts for Australia in this kind of little pocket. And it just kept growing and growing. And obviously it moved to three different venues and then ended up over here at Fox Studios at the Entertainment Quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was by that time, it was, I think, 20 years, 21 years that they had run the, the Brent Street for, that they had had Brent Street Performing Arts for and... It'd gone through and churned out so many amazing artists that even I inspired and were inspired by. Um, and, yeah, just people the lo- that actually know the longevity and understand the longevity of being an artist and the hustle and the ups and downs and the hard work of it. I think Brent Street really creates that, um, gives you that knowledge and that all that... Um, education and gives you the understanding that you being an artist is not an easy job and mm. it's um it's hard work and you will make it if you just keep working hard and going for your dreams and and you know really just putting yourself out there and was that the ethic that your Australian family absolutely kind of oh my gosh yeah I've never I mean even to this day my sisters are you know 50 and 60 plus and they're still mm. working in the industry and they're still striving every day and they're still hustling and they still teach dance classes and it's amazing to watch you know it and is how did that kind of because obviously that they were putting it out to the world but how did how were your Australian parents kind of advocating all that creativity within the house well it's funny because mum and dad just don't know why or how they were friends in <laughs> dancing like they just they're so, so it's not something that they did or no. something that and they, they promoted no, not at all and yeah. like my mum definitely not the dance mum my older sister definitely the dance mum yeah um to a sickening degree um <laughs> but yeah like our mum just would drop us off at the church go to the drop us off at Brent Street you know or just say, you know, bye and then go. Like yeah. it was not a thing. They just 
it was so strange. We just did it for them, I think. And my sisters really created that business and that mindset and that was what our family was going to do. And, yeah. you know, they really were strong in the, I guess, in the advocacy in the family that we are performers, you know. It, it is. And I think at, at the real brunt of it, we're a circus family. Yeah. We really are. <laughs> like, because all my nieces and nephews are all in the business. So yeah. we are a... We are a a circus family and, yeah, that's how we roll. And so much energy. Yeah. <laughs> and mum and dad just kind of always just, yep, we come up the side, whatever. Dad was always building sets and props and painting things. You know, we were lucky we had a big garage and yeah. he had been a builder. Um, uh, 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 that was one of his um, careers in his life. And so, yeah, once he retired he was building cars and prop cars and <laughs> whatever you yeah. guys asked for whatever my sisters asked for we yeah. had pink cadillacs i think it was like <laughs> natalie cole someone doing a solo and yeah, yeah it was great it was but it just wasn't a thing it was just our life that was just what happened yeah now you said you always felt like you belonged there there wasn't this sense of difference but um as a little person like because you're your sisters look very Scottish, don't they? They, they are have very like flaming Scottish. red hair. My whole family is very <laughs> Scottish. Flaming red hair, freckles, the whole bit. And that's what I it's funny, as a as a child, I just kind of I didn't take it in. They were just my sisters and that was just my dad and my mum. Yeah. Um and I think I don't like I you know, especially after all this kind of research and in, and um, you know finding out who we are and um, through COVID and I really have always known who I have who I was who I was going to be you know what where I was at, at the immediate time of growing up and, and do you think that's because you felt so secure yeah and I think because I was always. Very, my mum and dad always informed me of what my brothers and sisters are doing. We always went over there when we could, um, and as a child to reconnect and do things. And it just never really felt like there were any, it, there was anything that I needed to discover more about. Yeah. Um, and and sorry, sorry, I'm curious to know because I imagine there's um, quite a strong dance culture in your Fijian family. How did how did those two things kind of work together or influence each other? Yeah, it's so interesting because only last week I was looking for to learn Fijian dancing here in, in Sydney and I'm struggling to find a community that – well, part of our community that does it yeah. um, because it isn't – it's not – it's just in you. Like it's in your blood. It's like – it's you grow up listening to the songs, you grow up doing the dances just at home and in villages, in the street, wherever you are. So you just know them. And because I didn't have that growing up, because I wasn't in the village as much as everybody else, I don't know those songs. I don't know the language and I don't know the dances. Yeah. So I'm really curious as an adult to find that part of my heritage of late. Um, and it's so funny you bring that up. Yeah, I've been yeah. scouring all the Facebook pages, <laughs> but no one's giving up the Fiji and cultural dance. But yeah. I will find it. I will find it. And it is just – I think that's why and I think I've really come to terms with it of late that it is um, – our cultural heritage is a storytelling heritage, mm. is a, a music and dance heritage without it being in a constructive – in you know, from a constructed formal type of way. It's what we always d have done. So me being a part of that family, I don't know who's – you know, who orchestrated that possibility but it worked and yeah. it was the right family to be with and to end up with because yeah it just it just feels so natural to be a performer yeah and and so you've said you you knew who you were 
you've always known who you are. Yep. In terms of a little person and how you embraced your your beautiful, bright, um, colourful fashion, what what do you remember about um, you know your relationship to fashion as a kid? And oh, I think I was in it from the beginning. <laughs> I was like all over it. We did. Um, because I always the thing I always know is that my beautiful chocolate skin, you know, looks amazing with lots of colours. Yeah, and I always I just absolutely rolled with that since I was a kid. You know, I was yes. just, I'd heard it maybe once somewhere, or I just remember all people commenting always how beautiful it looks on you, and I'm like you know what, I'm going with that. I think I went with that when I was 10 and just went, yep, I'll have yellows, I'll take pinks, we'll have blues, we'll have reds, we'll have it all. And black, like wearing black and white is very weird for me because I never wear it. So yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I have to be backstage and wear black? Oh, that means I can have a little bit of gold or a little yeah. bit of like of a fluorescent yellow on my yeah. on my shoes. And they're like, no, I'm like... Well, like, can I just wear like jewels or something? <laughs> like, you know. So it is. It's. I just. Yeah. It really feels foreign to me to wear, you know, black and uh, and white because it. I just. I think I just feel. You feel so. Colour just makes you happy and colour makes it interesting. You know, I want people to look at me when I'm walking on the street and get a, a an emotional. Oh, Oh, good, nice one. And just keep walking. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. You know, yeah. like I just want them to have a little think and want them to engage with colour more. And it's probably maybe when I say it out loud now, it's uh, maybe it's, you know, it's a little bit of a metaphor for, I guess, you know, the colour of my skin and the colour of, you know, uh, 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 it, it could possibly just be about, you know, presenting bold and proud constantly yeah. is important to me because I want to be seen and I want to be visible so that people can just understand that this is who we are. I mean, if you go, you know, you go to Africa and, and Fiji and, and lots of Pacific Island, you know, and countries and they have beautiful grass skirts and colourful hibiscus floral patterns and that's their kind of national cloth and that's, um, you know, I think that's probably also where it comes from and it's it's probably been around before I, you know, even thought that I was going to just be bold and brave and wear lots of colours all the time. Yeah. Um, and so were you the only one in your house kind of embracing all of that colour? Oh, I don't think so. Like my sisters did too because they were in the arts. Mm. They were And they were 80s. So they were like double denim. They were like full Bowie. There was some extra oh, looks there. There was so extra. Like <laughs> I do remember like my, my older sister has massive beautiful red hair and she was all always wear it on the side in the 80s like mm-hmm. you know and she would have shaved up their mm-hmm. side part full shadow you know full lip and a like purple metallic like legging with like it's one outfit that I always replicate because I yeah. love it and yeah. it, you know a long t-shirt dress you know and just it's like wow that's that's cool so I think especially being in the 80s with that family that were in the arts at that time yeah it was probably just all around me color and movement because we would always have dancers from shows over and our house and they would be just everyone wearing like slash jeans and ripped you know it was just super cool and I was just like oh this is yeah this is heaven like you just would see everybody and 
men wearing makeup, you know, dark light. And it just, yeah, I think... Were your parents conservative? Because you you mentioned that <laughs> they obviously, like, were, were religious and went to church. Yeah. How did they kind of um, embrace all of these this, this diversity and colour? I know, colour they're and, so know. good. And I think that's why we are a, an extremely open and, you know, accepting family is because they never, nothing, there was no judgement in our house. They didn't, you know, they just thought, oh, Jack, my sister's friends are over today and they're all just laying out on the on the grass. I'm sure they were all smoking weed or something. You know, <laughs> like, um, but it is. Um, they just they accepted us all for who we are, and I think that's why we sit where we are today. Because yeah. my mum and dad were there was yeah. It, I can't ever remember that there were ever any comments or judgment feelings or you know that energy was never directed towards uh, from from a negative point of view because. It, it was what it was. Our family, our house was was full of bright and colourful, diverse people. And um, I think also that also entails for them taking me in as a family member as well, you know. With, was representative with repre- of that yeah, value system for them. Yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. think that. Yeah. Um, so music's obviously always around you. Uh, as a teenager, what kind of music did you did you listen to? I mean, I imagine it had to be pop because of what you were doing. But what were your who were your idols? Like your your pop music idols? I was I'm actually I was actually and still am into gangster rap. Okay, yeah. yeah. So gangster rap was big, and I think it was because they were the chocolate people I was seeing on the. On the TV. TV. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I loved Ice Cube. I went to many of Ice Cube concerts. I loved Ice T. I loved NWA, Red Man, Missy before she was, you know, totally hashtag on trend Missy. Like she was my absolute idol. Her and little Kim yeah. were really big influences in my life growing up because I was seeing because I was so tall as well, um, as a teenager. It did and I played netball and I played basketball. But um, it was, yeah, it was like, oh, wow, big black women. I just kind of I, – I think back now and I go, well, that's why I was all in for Missy because she just was repping, you know, everything that I loved and was free and was a big black woman. And yeah. I kind of went, yeah, I, I'm down with that. And little Kim was just wearing all these, you know, amazing outfits and fashion and was really just out there but – I mean, right now, it wouldn't in this day and age, it wouldn't be out there. But for yeah. me, it was like, yeah, that's. Did you cool. take some of that on board? I did. I used teenager. to love it. Yeah, a lot, and it got me kind of into corsetry um, and wearing, you know, like wigs and stuff like that into my kind of clubbing years, my over eighteen years, and yeah. just experimenting with those types of looks. Um, and and I guess now it's it's costume, but it's also, you know, I mean, you think back in the day, women always wore corsets underneath their dresses. But, yeah. you know, she was putting it on the outside and just making it really hot and fashion. So, yeah, I did. I experimented a lot with that type of look. But I also loved MC Hammer. I mean, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was that the Hammer pants were like my go-to yeah. always yeah. For, for anything. Like any event, any nightclub, I was like, I've got, I had about, 20 pairs yeah and I have gold metallic ones I had fluoro ones and yeah I I remember a lot of MC hammer pants so all of that as you're saying like the corsetry and even the hammer pants are quite performative right um and what I want to know is because you you've always been kind of on stage uh you know, coming out of school and and kind of identifying where you're going to be you obviously had a really clear vision on that um, but there, there doesn't seem like there was like a lot of separation between you and the stage. Um, 
and I wonder how that was for a 20-year-old uh, who's kind of trying to define themselves as an adult um, and how you separated, you know, the kind of costume from yourself. Yeah, it was interesting because I wasn't – when I got to the end of my year 12, I thought I was going to go and be a police officer. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Um, and I did try in year 10 and I interned and that was always really – I think – and I think later on in life I found out that my father was the chief police officer in Fiji. So I'm not sure, I don't know that how that... Yeah, that subconsciously how I knew or what. But I always wanted to be a police officer. Is it because... Sorry, I'm going to no. take a stretch here, but you you seem to like to look after the greater good. Is that is that where that I was do. coming from? I do. Yeah. I, I really do. And, I mean, it could be a mother or it could be a police officer. <laughs> I, I think they're one in the same sometimes. But, um, yeah, I really wanted to. And I think it, it just comes from a community aspect of looking after people, trying to engage with community and be a part of it and help any way I possibly can. Um, and then, yeah, the stage really took over and my my sister said, you have to come and do this course for a year and then you can decide and I did it. And it was, it was always going to be a no-brainer and I think I did try to separate the costume from myself but it just, it just wanted to stay on. <laughs> you just it really didn't want wanted to, to stay on. on. <laughs> just did not want to come off. And I am, I'm so grateful for it now and I have learnt a lot in this, you know, through it. But, yeah, it just didn't want to come off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, talking about like looking after the greater good, you, you're known as a dancer but you're also known um, as a director and a choreographer. What role do you prefer to play, the the performer or the teacher? Oh, it's a hard one because, you know, sometimes I think while I'm up there performing I am being, a, I'm being someone that young kids can see, mm. you know, so I also believe that that is a teaching role role as well being on stage and um I don't I, I love it all I really I love people I, I just I really do and I I I want people to be okay a lot of the time and I just know that I think I have um just strong you know I have strong foundations enough and I think I can carry a lot of people yeah. um and that's why I really – I don't – I love being a director and I love allowing people to find a story and tell a story and I ha- like to help doing that. I love being a teacher because I'm giving off all this crap in my brain, that, you know, that I need to get out because <laughs> otherwise it's just – it's going to explode. So, you know, I just I, – yeah, I just – yeah, I think it's I, – I don't have a favourite position to be in. I do. I mm-hmm. really love it all. And it is – the position I like to be in is, you know, as me, Leah, most of the time. And, yeah, yeah just kind of being all of those things and more in life and on, and at work. It's a good one to be in. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the, the roles that you have played, which – which character do you feel like you've identified with most or or just loved? Oh, I think it's definitely Mrs. Corrie from Mary Poppins. Yeah. She sings supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. She's this crazy-ass, like, woman that is otherworldly. She's from nowhere. She's ageless and she runs a lolly shop. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> All that joy. All that joy. And she has the best <laughs> costume in the whole show. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a – it was – I think it was a – I think I wore four kilograms or seven kilograms and it was a three-piece with a corset underneath with yeah. a, a cardigan on top with a full harness and uh, uh, my the back of the um, skirt had all these – 
apple pies in it. <laughs> so it has, you know, so she's – and it's a full bustle. Oh, it was extraordinary. Yeah. I, I, where did you – where was that performed? Uh, we did, uh, did, we did a full whole? Australian tour. Yeah. Um, and we did it – yeah, we did a – oh, that was about – Ten years ago now, yeah, yeah, but it was my favourite, and the costume was just spectacular, and the eye makeup and the wigs was just amazing. I wore double lashes, and I had full drag. It was spectacular, yeah, yeah. And the makeup artist in the um, from the show, Connie, is just amazing, and she was just oh, every night, you know, it was just yeah, it was spectacular. Do you ever get input into the costumes in terms of how? people like have to perform in what they're wearing or not usually i mean if it's a new show yes you you probably can have some input um but it's only kind of tweaks and stuff like that mainly but both of my disney costumes when i did aladdin was beautiful as well i had i had this amazing quick change in act two that opens act two and it it was a full yellow dress to the floor on theme yellow dress to the floor (laughs) and then i had a shoulder brace yeah. that went out for about three metres past me that had all these hanging foam um, with squiggly bits coming off it and I literally like had to like, okay, I'm, I'm stepping into the wing now and then, okay, I'm walking sideways and then I'm stepping <laughs> out into the other wing. Like so I couldn't actually manoeuvre my body in a natural – in its natural sense. It yeah. was very one step, two step. Okay, great. And the doors will open and you can go, you know. So it was built just like to the edge of the doors and yeah. it was – spectacular and this headdress oh yeah it was fantastic I mean Disney have some of the best costumes in shows that I have ever ever worn yeah Um, they're spectacular and you feel so fantastic in it but you also go why isn't this in vogue (laughs) you know like (laughs) always yeah it should be definitely (laughs) you know we often hear about this x factor which you seem to have (laughs) if 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 it could be defined but it's it's one of those movable things. And for me, when I look at dancing, it's a bit like cooking in that there's a technicality to it that has to be taught, it has to be spot on, it has it has a lot of work to get it right. Um, but the magic comes when someone fully gives themselves over to what, what it is yeah. um, and they put all of their heart into into that act whether it's cooking or dancing is that something you agree with absolutely and you know it like as an audience member you feel it you sit there and go oh that's it's happening that's that's good that's really effing good like you do and it is it's important and I think I think that term x factor yeah it's 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 I, I don't know. I think it's a bit kind of um, archaic now because yeah. it is. There is such a there's such a wide range of performance types now, and there's such amazing stories that are going to be told. And to tell them, if if you're telling a story that is really connecting with you, it's gonna it's gonna connect with us, and that is you. You're going to be shining in that performative X factor space, which um, I guess you know means that you are truly giving over, as you say, yeah. and committing to the piece and telling the story well down from your boots, and you know it, and you're feeling it, and you are in it. Uh, I think you know. I think the 
what we like to say, oh, you were you were totally in it. You were in that all over that. That was amazing. And and you you just you just see it now. And because there are so many stories to be told, and there's so much space now open up to everyone, it's going to be um, really interesting and fascinating to watch everybody's X factor elements or their them everyone just sitting in their moments and having their moments and. And how do you engender that in someone that you're oh. working with? Like, how do you Look, help them give, the, just, give it all, their all? Yeah, I think it's also allowing them to relax and just telling their truths and owning their story and knowing their craft and knowing how, you know, doing their research and their work on the piece or on the character in order to be able to sit and comfortably just tell it. I'm always up for conversation and talking things through and I just want people to feel safe and comfortable about you know where they are in their in their journeys within a storytelling or within dancing, within singing, with, with whatever it is as as an artist. Yeah. So to use your term, you you give a lot of big love, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I really do. I know it's yeah. It's just something that I do. I love and I love big. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what are your big loves as Leah? Um, I love baking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love just I love having people around and I love I love community and I love you know social situations where we can all sit have a yarn have a talk just be with each other I love and I love people I love people being in spaces together yeah. and just being I, I you know I want to make I, I love making people comfortable yeah you know and if they're not I'll be like right let's go to the corner <laughs> we need to talk about something or do, like what can I do like I, I'm very much that type of person yeah yeah <laughs> I understand that <laughs> I would hope to see myself in the same way good um so speaking of big love you have done a lot of work with Mardi Gras yes uh Tell me why working with the Mardi Gras is something that you love doing. Well, I think when I started my dance career, I was dancing on podiums at DCMs, at, at um, Stonewall, at, you know, at all these really amazing clubs that were giving me a go and were giving me opportunity to dance. And I was still in doing my full-time course, but I really did appreciate the community stepping out for me and, and having us there and just allowing. And we did so many, I did so many of my gigs throughout the gay community and it was my way of giving back. And I volunteered for the Mardi Gras back in the, oh, I'm going to say the early 2000s I volunteered a lot set making prop making um helping on the creatives uh being a volunteer dancer um so I just that was my way of giving back to them for you know them what they gave to me yeah and then it evolved from there and I became um a choreographer and I became a paid dancer then I became one of the creatives on the team yeah um for many years and yeah it just um it just was kind of felt right and they were still so accepting of me in that time um being an ally and being a part of community but mm. you know, they were all my friends and I was you know wanting them to I just was wanting to assist and help the help them make great shows and make you know great performances and yeah, yeah it was a really great time for me and um it was new because I was still a dancer I wasn't a creative as such yeah you know I was still like had legs and I had I could still <laughs> breathe and get through seven minute routine so yeah. I was yeah I was still dancing but it was a great outlet for but me you to dance this year right I did dance this year yeah, what yes was the, what was the energy like oh this it year? was it was spectacular I was the creative director for TikTok and yes it was 
something else. And because also I hadn't been at Mardi Gras for maybe four or five years at this time between um, parades and the energy was fresh, it was new, it was, it's the energy of the community, the Alphabet Mafia community right now is just... They are so smart and they are just educated and they are great activists in their community and it's really great to feel that again. So when you were amongst all these people for Mardi Gras, you could just feel it, it was like, you know, it was like marching up the street but with this younger generation that just know what they want, know what they see and know what they're, they're giving off and it was, it was spectacular. I really, the SCG was pretty amazing and to see families in the audience everywhere was just spectacular kids running down to shake your hands and it was just so cool and people just sitting and like generations so you saw all ages and they felt comfortable they looked comfortable everyone was smiling and dancing and it was yeah it was you could just that connection you could just feel it within the stadium which I think is really which is is great and I love the strip and I love doing the strip but you actually can connect with people and you can see the emotion in everyone's faces when the, when when all the all the floats come out on the field and it, it's really it was really cool there was yeah I hope they keep it there I hope they introduce something that can allow the SCG to be a part it makes of the parade it, it actually makes it a bit more accessible doesn't it completely like, families it, it's such a big event on the street now that yep. it's actually quite tricky to yeah. bring a little person in oh, to, to watch see. it. And right? you're, you know, you're three layers deep on the side of the street yep. and it's a metre wide and it's like that's not really – yeah, it's so accessible and it is it's such a joy to see a rainbow families and all families and just – just, I mean, to see kids running around to know that they are free and able to be whoever they want to be is super cool. Yeah. You know, that was really cool. Uh, so you said you worked with TikTok. Yes. Now, do you TikTok? I do TikTok. <laughs> Since I worked with TikTok, I did TikTok. Look, yeah. yes. Uh, tell me, what, what do you think about TikTok as a platform for dance and what it does what, – what do you think it's doing to either change the dance community or promote it? What's your take yeah, on it? Yeah, I have very – I'm still finding my feelings on the TikTok platform. And Are I love, we too old uh, for TikTok? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok. But because TikTok was primarily a dance-based platform. Yeah, yeah. And it's evolved as everything does. It's evolved into something a whole lot more. I don't think they ever imagined it to be, you know, all of what it is now. Um, and so it is interesting. I... I, I struggle sometimes because I always think 60 seconds of dance is not real dance. Yeah. Um, and when you're shooting from your hips up, the what's the rest doing? Um, as, a, as a full body dancer, you know, I want to see flat out from the top. I want to see, you know, toe, tip, head to toes. But it's not that type of flat platform. What I love about it is that it's giving accessibility to people that maybe have never danced, don't dance that never wanted to dance, that they, they're yeah. actually kind of – people are learning these little Corrie moments and I think that's pretty cool and I think that's what I like about TikTok but from a dance-based point of view, I actually – I also enjoy watching dancers that can't dance more on TikTok than yeah. I like watching pros dance on TikTok. Everyone should just dance and it doesn't mean do choreography, just like yeah. shake Move your hips, throw your arms around, like yeah. release, like go for it. Like it is, it's so good for you and you can just really like 
you really, once you get into it and you find your moment, you're, you will be so happy and, and it does, it just releases really good endorphins. Do you um, think that that's why you're such a happy, energetic, positive person because you do get to dance yeah, a lot? Yeah, I definitely yeah. do. I think so because I do. And I think, you know, the thing inside me, it goes up like another level. When I'm on stage dancing, I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't actually even see people. I'm just <laughs> like living my best life yeah. always, um, <laughs> you know, so it is good. So, so you what does upset you or what does rattle you? Um, look, I'm a, I'm a big believer in change and I'm a big I, – I am a I – am I will call myself an activist um, and government ignorance really does rattle me. Yeah. Um, when things that I think – and I know – look, I think we live in a very open world now and we know things, we've seen things. There's so many videos and, and – not conspiracies, but you you see the backs of. I think as I've gotten older, I've seen the back you know the backstages of many things, whether they be corporate, whether they be um, you know from an arts and entertainment point of view. And I and I can, I, I feel very strongly that I can put puzzle pieces together. And sometimes it's really shocking to me that people die aimlessly or people aren't you know released out of into you know into the world for no reasons or being held captive for you know so I I enjoy reading a lot but I do that really I really want I like activating um, actor yeah I I like activating my um, conscience for human humanity Mm. You know, so that really always gets up my goat when I just see things that don't feel right and they look wrong and it's very obviously looking wrong and why the hell are we not out here trying to help change that or help these people that just – it just doesn't seem right. Um, so I, I do a lot of um, – I, I take a lot of active activist measures and I, you know, like to research always, you know, not just look at the social media and then repost. But um, yeah. I like to dive down those holes so I am educated about it. Um, and that just kind of really does turn me. And the environment turns me as well. You know, just trying to always buy local, be local, recycle, all those sorts of things. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot, you know, but it's just trying to educate everyone else to do it yeah. as well and it's and is it is your education platform the storytelling that you yeah, offer and as you it said is. how and you it's conversations yourself? and obviously yeah. conversations and you know definitely talking to friends just having that one conversation with one person can possibly you know um, um, emote something in them and then they will then go and do their research and yeah. then possibly have a thought about it and tell another person and in terms of you moving forward, what what does um, like that striving for betterment? Where where's that going for you? What what have you got on the oh, on the cards? I've got lots of things <laughs> on the cards. I've got look, you know, we're just um, telling new stories is really um, interesting. I'm heading down to Melbourne to um, help with a, a new show, and and it's a it's got a strong feminist background, and it's um you is know is it a stage show or a um TV yeah show? it's a it's a stage show, and yeah. it's you know it's about also just clocking and working with these young actors and. Um, clocking their feelings about this piece and where we sit in the world right now. And because it is the changing of 
storytelling and what actually sits well in the world now is mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. and what people want to go see. So, you know, that's definitely what's on my radar and, you know, I like to do that because then it also affects the work that I would like to choose and be a part of. Yeah. Um, it's because what's important right now, you know, it's not when we're not in the world of where we'll just do razzle-dazzle and put it, you know, all aside. We're in the world of where we're having real talk yeah. now, you know, like exactly what we're doing, you know, here yeah. today with you and it is. I think that's what's important um, for me, you know, just to be a part of that conversation and keep striving for that for our industry. And you, you've recently also been in Wakefield. The, uh, yes. Yeah, which yeah. is another conversation which is another about conversation mental, mental health. health right? Absolutely. Yeah. Tapping into mental health, I was. Um, Wakefield, have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. I just saw the trailer of it. And it's pretty, it looks, it's it pretty like amazing fun. and it does, it talks about, it puts mental health, bam, straight in that face and it's not... It's 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 just so many things actually. It's and I I I wouldn't say binge watch it. <laughs> um, might not be great for your mental health. Yeah. Um, but I definitely it's it's amazing to watch because it, it's based on lots of um, lived experience of the writer um, Kirsten Dunphy, and it's just yeah, it's spectacular. And the best part is that you know so many local Australian actors that are, uh, you know, on all spectrums and all ages is, it's amazing, you know, Colin Friels is in it, um, Jerry Hakewell, uh, it's Harry Greenwood and like, it's Dan Wiley, like my favourite actor and yeah, it's spectacular to see everyone just doing really Amazing work and telling a really strong story and hard. And the dancers thread. Yes, we're, yeah, the we're tap dancers. So yeah. one of the points is that um, the head nurse is a tap. It, we used to tap dance in his childhood, and it's his happy place. Right. And it, we always come back through and around. But yeah, it's really cool, and it was great to tap dance again too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question to you, Leah, is how I like to end these interviews, and um, it's asking you how you imagine yourself when you're um, in your seventies and 80s and what what you'll be wearing at that point in your life probably the same outfits (laughs) Um, I just I just think I'll be I'll I'll be I think I will be the same I'll probably be more bolder I'll probably have a lot more vintage stuff to wear from my own wardrobe um I do I don't think I'm not going to change I don't there's no real I, I don't think anything will rattle me to change dramatically yeah I think I'll still believe what I believe I think I still I'll still be dancing that's for sure yeah I'll still be kicking a leg and singing a tune and <laughs> you know telling a story um that's 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 inevitable but I do I think you know I love I love fashion I love clothes so I will always be looking to just be a part of that fabric and part of that storytelling that it's happening wherever I am in the world at the time when I'm 70 and 80. And I'm sure you'll be still giving lots of big love out to the world. I will be always, forever (laughs) and ever. Leah, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your style story. Thank you for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. Big love. (laughs) You'd be hard pressed to find someone who meets Leah and doesn't like her. She might not love the term, but Leah has that infectious X-factor energy for other people that makes you listen to, connect and commit to her story. It's a story of bright colour, bountiful joy and big love from someone who deeply cares about people, considers community and happily wears her heart on her sleeve. Whether she's kicking a leg, singing a tune or just walking down the street, 
Leah spreads happiness and it's this bold, bright beauty and joy she not only commits to the stage, but fully brings to her style and her story. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed hearing this style story, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating to help other like-minded listeners find these stylish stories.